This week on Physio Foundations, I'm talking again to Luke Nelson about the foundational knowledge and skills that he uses to help people with running-related injuries. Welcome back to Physio Foundations, a podcast about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. So if you listened to last week's episode, you had a full introduction to my guest, Luke Nelson, and we're going to go and skip the introduction. You can always go back and listen to that if you like. And in fact, you probably should, because it was a really good episode, really good chat with Luke talking about his professional pathway and you know what led him to his interest in helping people with running related injuries. And then we finished off, off the episode talking about some of his strategies that he uses to help people with running injuries. And we're going to go straight back into the, a discussion about just that. So Luke, welcome back to Physio Foundations. Thanks for coming on for part two. Thanks Luke. It's, uh, yeah, it was hard to, hard to keep it to, uh, to half an hour before. When we start getting talking on running, we get a real uh, real run on here. So let's see, see how we can go with that, with keeping this one nice and uh, short and sharp as well. I originally was going to do longer episodes and not really run a timer, but I, I do realize that people's, the feedback I've had is people like these professional development podcasts, fairly short. They don't like too much of the chit chat at the start you know, yeah. and then having to hit the 15 second fast forward button. But at the same time, I, when, with my podcasts, I actually go for a run. I listen to podcasts when I run. I don't know. Yeah. If you, do you do that as well? Sometimes? Oh, I, I, do, I definitely do. That's where I listen to, to most of my podcasts, actually. I, I yeah, have, cool. um, I've, I've worked my way up to, uh, to listening on, on two times speed now so uh, okay. I, you're actually talking quite slow now but uh, I'm used to listening to you on, on two times speed um, but uh, yeah just like the, uh, the students at the university listen to yeah. everything in 1.5 times speed and when I do this they can't understand anything I'm saying and that's always funny it's, it's right there's, there's a few times where if someone's got a particular interview uh, the guest has got a really thick accent then I'll have to sometimes slow it right down but uh, by and all I can I can usually get through I get through quite a bit now so on a two on a two hour run I can get through four hours of podcast so and I need it because I've got I've got quite a list of, of podcasts that I'm subscribed to obviously yours is at the top but uh yeah there's a few, there's a few there oh, <laughs> and then you finish this run and your brain's overflowing with information yeah. it's a good way to process the information though you go out there away well, from your you know home environment and you're getting new ideas and it's invigorating yeah. it's good fun it is, and, and look, something I actually was, you know, I was chatting to, to someone else about recently as well. Is that there's there's one thing, you know, I think there's one thing to consume information, and there's the other thing to to put it into into practice. And I think that I've probably fallen into the trap in, in years ago where I just went seminar mad. I was just going to seminars and this, that, and that. And then I think I remember over a month period, I think I had a seminar every weekend, and then you get to it in the end of it, and it's just like you've just learned so much stuff, but you don't actually put it into practice. And I think that's a really good thing to, you know, and something I'm I, I'm wary of now like after i've listened to a podcast is you know just just hitting pause and just sort of think all right well how does that change what i'm doing at, if, if if it does if it just simply you know reinforces what i'm what i'm doing is 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 right um because otherwise you're just consuming stuff without actually you know putting it into uh, putting into action so so that's probably a you know a tip that i've found useful over the years is yeah it's one thing to consume it but also to reflect on it as well too you wouldn't go to a conference without a pen and paper or a laptop do you take mm. notes from you know, the more informal professional development stuff. So podcasts, you can't take notes when you're I do. running, but do, in the well, notes I, page on your phone or yeah, do anything I, like that? 
I actually, I sometimes do. I, I use, um, I use Evernote, and uh, and so I've actually got a, a a thing in Evernote there where I've I've been doing this for a few years now, where I'll create a separate note for each month. I'll say monthly items learned, and uh, you know, for for March. And so if I'm gonna, you know, listen to a particular podcast, and I actually sometimes will stop. Sometimes I'll just be typing whilst I'm running, um, and uh, other times if it's quite intensive, I'll just stop stop the watch and, and write stuff down. Um, but uh, but no, I, I'm still regularly taking taking notes at seminars and and you know Evernote if I if I lost Evernote I don't know what I'd do I'd probably cry because uh if I if I'm sort of thinking oh yeah what, what did I what did I remember hearing about this and then I just search on Evernote and and there it is it's uh it's it's there so so yes I, I use that to use that quite a bit to uh, to outsource my uh, outsource my brain but um yeah it's a good day good good uh, good use there and and I also find that yeah sometimes you know yeah and you're probably the same thing it's like uh, you know a lot of people say when they're in the shower they come up with some great ideas but for me it's it's out in the run like I'm sort of thinking like oh that's what I should do and you know stop down and you write it in put it in Evernote or, or Trello or something like that and, and so it does provide some some good thinking time doesn't it and, uh, with running. yeah should use a little microphone oh no, um, I actually haven't used that yeah I should dictate do that into anymore, it it takes a bit of practice but yeah. if you just form your sentence and you say it into it you don't have to you know um, type yeah, I think that's a, that's a great idea, and I, I know that. Um, I think it was I think it was Steve Monaghetti that I heard that said this um, in a talk that I saw him do once. He said, uh, you know, if you can't sort out your life problems in a in a in a, in a long run, you're never going to sort them out. So, um, you know, it certainly does give you give you some some long thinking time because it is funny what you know what non runners will, will say to you. It's like, what do you do? Like, what do you think about on you know on a on a two or a three hour run? And um, he is right. Like, I've, I've I've sometimes come home from runs and it's like that's it. We're doing this, and in fact, we spoke about it in our previous practice when I when I sold my practice was was I came back from a run and I'm like that's it we're selling you know I'm I'm, I'm selling out and my wife's like oh okay but uh so yeah lots of uh, lots of things happen and, and we know that you know there's that that increase in, in cortical blood flow that happens in the brain so it is it is um you know conducive to uh to, to, to thinking mm. and that's something you touched on in the last episode you were talking more about the mental health benefits of exercise, mm. but there's also just the, you know, the reorganization of all yep. your thoughts and the mm. way you can, you can finish feeling refreshed. So it's a big yeah, mental um, boost for a lot of people. And then yeah. of course, our interest is keeping people, I guess there's a bit of a false dichotomy of mental and physical going on, but you know, dualism there, but you know, keeping mm. the physical side of people going so that they can have those mental you know, health, great benefits of running. So, but mm. let's, so what about you personally? Um, you, you mentioned last time your races and, you know, your experience yep. from track running and then, you know, going, that often happens, doesn't it? You go mm. longer and longer as you get yes. older. Yeah, that's, okay. that's pretty much what's what's happening. I've 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 got a goal to do a hundred hundred. The longest I've done is a fifty six. That's uh, but I do want to go the hundred. I know you've done some some long stuff, but uh, I uh, I want to I want to tick the the sub three hour marathon first. Ooh, so okay, it's nice. been a been a, uh, a, a well, I was hoping to achieve it in in October last year for the Melbourne Marathon, but unfortunately I got uh, I got sick uh, two nights before the uh, the marathon. It wasn't COVID, but I just got a 24 hour bug that I, di- I didn't recover from. And, and, uh, so I trained, put a, put in a really good training block actually. And, and, uh, unfortunately didn't get to race. So, uh, so I've still got some unfinished business. So for the moment, I'm, uh, I'm getting ready for, uh, Gold Coast Marathon, which will be in July. So hopefully we're ticking that elusive sub three box for me. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll see after that where we, uh, where, where we go then. <laughs> and for, for those who haven't run marathons or 
perhaps don't live in Australia and hello to everyone listening to this around the world. I can see on the little mm. map that pops up on the podcast app. I can see because we've got listeners in the States and in yeah. Europe and Saudi yeah. Arabia and all, the, oh. all over the place. So hello to everyone. Um, so for those of you overseas, the Gold Coast Mara um, Marathon is a flatter track and it's a, yeah. you know, often people will target that for their personal best, go out yep. flat chat and try to, try to get your personal best. Sub three mm. hours is four minutes per kilometre or so, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, 4.15s, yeah, just after some of that. So, what, yeah, yeah. Convert so that goal, to miles, minute miles. Oh, so. minutes, miles. I always, always struggle yeah. with that, actually. That's, I think, is it six, six, six something, six there? But, um, but um, I, yeah, hope, hopefully I'll be aiming for yeah, around that 2.55 to, to three. So that's uh, that's the goal. So hopefully we can we can tick that one off. It's been a long time, long time coming. And obviously with races not happening uh, much over, over COVID as well, there's been, you know, not many opportunities the last couple of years for uh, – for us to uh, to get out there, so uh, hopefully this year all goes as uh, goes as planned. Yeah, it's, it's such an important part of your professional development and your mm. balancing your professional and personal life to think about what your own personal goals are. Yeah. And it's actually really nice sometimes with um, health professions, you know, and, and physical activity being such a big part of what we need to advocate for and, and do ourselves. Sometimes that's really nice when our personal hobbies and goals, you know, cross over to those mm. of our patients as well, yeah. um, perhaps more than they would if you were you know, doing other occupations. Yeah. So that, and that's, that's, that's my segue then. That's what I want to talk about. I want to pick up on our mm. threads. We're talking about helping people with running injuries at the end of part one of our chat. And you touched on a couple of, well, a number of really nice points. Um, why don't we go back to just breaking it down a little bit? You, you, you spoke yeah. last time about the importance of you know, a really detailed patient interview. So what are some mm. of the questions that come up and that you ask people routinely? What do you want to explore when someone's coming in with a running related injury? Yeah. So as, as we said, mentioned in our previous podcast, you know, we're spending a bit of time talking with the, with the runner and uh, I guess outside of the condition specific questions. So, you know, where does it hurt and what aggravates it, what relieves it, that sort of stuff. So we're always going to ask about those sort of things to try and narrow down our, our diagnosis there or any, any contributing factors. But then I guess for the for the running specific, there's probably then more questions that we want to we want to move into there. So the first one is, you know, was we were just speaking about them was their goals. You know, what what are they what are they wanting to achieve? Have they got a have they got a race coming up in six weeks that we've got to try and get ready for? Have they got a particular time in mind that they, they want to do? Um, do they just want to run for for their mental and physical sanity? Uh, you know, all these sort of things, you know, figuring out why that why they're doing it, because that can dictate in terms of how, you know, how aggressive we may be with with trying to get them back on track like if we've got a race in six weeks all right well we've really got to pull out all stops here to try and get you uh, get you up and, and ready for that or it may be you know we need to um you know address their their expectations you know they're, they're thinking that they're going to run a three-hour marathon and that they haven't trained for six weeks well there might be a discussion around that saying look that might not be you know we might need to sort of you know bring that back a little bit and obviously being you know careful how you how you word that but um but they're really important to understand what their, their goals and, and also their expectations and, and one of the things that actually we'll do in our in our intake form is is asking you know what's what's their expectations what do they want to achieve what do they think is going on and what do they think will help them so all those sort of those four questions that I'll, that I'll ask um, all our patients regardless if they're, if they're a runner and that will sort of allow me to sort of see where they're, where they're coming at you know what the, what for them is is important um, and uh, and then that'll sort of you know management will, will be built around uh, around through that. 
Um, so I think those goals, that's that's sort of the, the first thing we want to we want to talk about. Um, then next, you know, we want to go into into training load. So obviously with their, their running or whatever they're doing uh, in a week, I want to I want a breakdown of, of what they're doing. Now, in its simplest sense, and this is what I think that, you know, we 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 all know that and we're, we're all told, oh, you know, um, training load, training load, it's so important, you know, but but in terms of the practicality of it, well, you know, like how do we how do we assess that? Like, is it just are we just giving it lip service and saying that training load is really important, but then how are we going to extract that from the from the run of what they've been doing? So I certainly will will have a conversation around that in terms of what their what their week looks like um, and get it from them first, and then we can then delve into further detail by saying, well, show me your Garmin, your Garmin, um, your, app, your app through there. Let's open that up and let's see what you have been doing, whether it does allay with what's, um, what you've been telling me um, and looking at you. Know, obviously, the, the fantastic thing about wearables these days is the access to all the uh, all the data that we that we can get from that. Um, so, you know, flicking through their Garmin or, or whether that be their Strava account and, and looking at, uh, at what that's like there. Uh, and that's in probably the, 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 the uh, getting a quick eyeball over things. And then if we really want to delve into more details, and that's where using other platforms and and I use a, a platform called Runalyze, um, and that's sort of the, the that's free for for the runner to use, uh, and they can import all their training data into that. So that's something that I'll, I'll generally look at after the consultation, so outside of ours once they've, they've connected all that up. Uh, and looking through their, uh, their their training training uh, data there. So, and again, that's it's part of the education because if, if you can look through and sort of say, look, okay, see how we've got these peaks and troughs here. You know, you've done you've done five runs this week, and then the following week you did one, and then you went back up to five, and then you went to two, and it's just this seesawing effect through there. Uh, and just that the, the, the educating them on, on the importance of that consistency and you know that progressive progressive overload there as well, um, because that's one of the first things that we you know the training load errors that we see runners do is they just do too much too soon um, and that's because it's so easy to do uh, because you can just chuck on your runners and, and out you go um, and the other thing as well that we tend to find in terms of training load areas is they just go they do too hard too often so they're often you know they're thinking that every run needs to be a you know i need to be you know bending over and, and ready to hurl by the end of it i need to you need to really feel like i'm getting a workout um, and uh, and so then then uh, that opens the discussion about training intensity distribution and, and and this is where using these platforms allow us to sort of break down that as well and see to educate them and show them, you see, look, see these coloured bars here or see this graph, see how much time you're spending in this particular zone through here. You know, running hard is hard on your body. Um, it's going to take that take that toll and it's it's not necessarily the, the most efficient for, for, um, for building your running fitness. Um, and so, you know, again, aligning that with their goals like if their goal is just i just i just want to run twice a week i don't want to have to think about stuff you know then, then maybe they can be running hard in those in those sessions there but if they're like no i really want to get better at this i want to want to achieve a certain time you know and then and just educating them about the importance of, of running at different intensities so that that's sort of something again that we'll tend to do more outside of and then we'll, we'll revisit that in the, the, the you know the second consult and and um um, reviewing and, and and educating around that to to uh, to help them optimize their uh, their, their training. Um, and then comes the good stuff on the shoes, the discussion on shoes. So, uh, you know, a lot of runners will, will uh, you know, will love to spend a bit of time talking about that. But just in terms of, you know, what are they running at the What are they running in at the moment? What have they run in? What do they like? What do they not like about shoes? And, and that, that sort of, um, again, opens a discussion about that, whether, you know, shoe wear might form a part of, of their, their management, whether we need to change what they're doing through there or whether we keep doing, you know, keep using what, they're, uh, what they've got. 
Um, and then also importantly, and then just as important, well, more importantly, I guess, is is their their non-training stresses. So you know what's going on in terms of their, in terms of their life. Like, again, one of the questions I'll ask on our intake forms is. You know, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Um, you know, just your, your stress level on a 0 to 10 scale um, and your diet on a 0 to 10 scale as well. Now, obviously, you know, that's the, that's the, they're not um, research-based uh, outcomes measures there, but they just sort of give me an idea of, you know, opening the conversation. If someone's saying they're a 10 out of 10 stress, well, that opens, the, you know, the door to sort of say, well, look, tell me about what's going on at the moment and because um, that can form a, you know, we know that the importance that, um, that uh, you know, that sleep and, and stress play in pain uh, and uh, and also in in, uh, in running injuries as well too. Um, and another question I should should say that we put on there is is how many hours of sleep you get a night as well. So I'm often quite mortified with some of the the ticks that you know someone's saying I've got four to five hours of sleep a night. Um, then that again opens the, the conversation of something that you need to uh, need to discuss there. And and so I guess that sort of forms a bit of a like a holistic assessment. Like we've obviously got our condition specific discussion that we're having, but then also just getting a, a greater snapshot of the of the person of whole of some of these these stresses that are, that, are, that might be occurring that, that are, you know maybe contributing to uh, to their problem there's so much in here that's that's really about the person and what they're telling mm. you and, and of course it's an interview but um, so their goals for example and then you know their specific goals so rather than saying well I've got a template for how I help a runner you've got mm. a person in front of you who runs and that's important to them and you talked about their their race that's coming up and the, the time they want to do and why they want to do it and their, their expectations and you know what they you know what they want to get out of it so really a patient-centered approach and then mm. and then you know I, I really like that summary your approach to measuring load like I asked earlier about, you know, can you help a runner if you aren't a runner yourself? And the answer was yes. And you gave lots of reasons for that in part one. And, but at the same time, you've got a, um, you know, you've got a master's of sports science, you've got a, you know, a healthy personal interest in running as well. Um, what sort, what sort of role does planning ahead play with it? So you don't, you obviously don't, someone doesn't come in as a runner and you come up with this plan for measuring and asking all these questions off the cuff. Yep. So, you know, so you've done a lot of reflection on what it is you want to ask and why you want to ask it, um, you know, and, and that's probably evolved over time as well. Absolutely, um, yeah. I, I, there's a question in there somewhere, Luke. I'm, I'm summarising well, what, what you've told yeah, me I, and I really, I really enjoyed your summary of, of how you actually approach measuring load rather than, as you said, just giving lip service to it. Yeah, yeah. You actually and got I, a systematic I, approach to measuring it. That's right. And I think, look, it, it comes down to – Really, when we're thinking, and you know, you spoke about, you know, got a procedure for knee pain, or you know, this, that, and we just roll that, roll that out. Every every injury, you know, every every injury is unique, you know, because it's it's a, every person is unique, uh, and so therefore, some one person here with patellofemoral pain is not going to be the exact same thing here. You know, if we do the uh, right, we put a lot of time into our history and our examination we're going to identify factors that are very unique to that individual here versus this one over here. I mean, this individual here, maybe, you know, they're, they're working night shift, they've got two kids, they're sleeping four or five hours, they've got a crappy diet, um, you know, their training load's okay. Um, and then this person over here, 10 hours of sleep a night, you know, next to nothing stress, you know, they, they don't have any partners, no kids, anything like that, but their training loads are all over the place. Now, obviously, we're going to be managing both of these very separately because we've identified here and, and here those, those contributing factors. And I think that's one of the problems with um, 
one of the challenges with research of looking at these things is, is that, you know, this all gets washed out. You know, if we, we, we can't clump people together and, and say, you know, what is the common risk factor amongst, amongst through here, um, you know, unless it's a very strong risk factor and, and really the only thing that, you know, looking at the, at the running research, the only thing that's coming through is, is previous injury. You know, that's the only thing that's really consistently showing up as a, as a, uh, a predisposing factor for injury. The rest, it's just a dog's breakfast in terms of everything else. You know, one study will show that it's, you know, these biomechanical factors. Another one here will show it's, it's this. And so it's it's very hard to, and, you know, I, I just did a, a recent, you know, review through all the systematic reviews and, and you just laugh because each systematic review is, is again, different from, you know, the, same, the different conclusions of looking at the same the same papers. So I think that, yeah, we, we certainly need to be implementing the research into what we're doing, but we always need to be looking at the individual that's, uh, that's in front of us and assessing them as an individual, and uh, and therefore, you know, identifying targets for our for our management that they need to like they need to work on, um, mm-hmm. and that's what I think. Yeah, the challenges challenge with with research is is to you know is to prove that 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 is the the best approach, um, or do we just give everyone the same thing? And and is does that work? So, and I don't think we've got the questions for that at the moment, unfortunately. But we have hit on the foundations of helping people with running related injuries mm. and that is to consider the person and all yeah. their variation and consider that people you know there's variation between people as well and mm. everyone's different and you, you know you so you've mentioned health personal factors and the goals and they sort of form that foundation of understanding the person and then applying research evidence as you can to that person yeah. rather than trying to say well this is the evidence and apply mm. that to the person it's backwards what that's about, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, and a good example of that could be applying uh, results of studies of strength and conditioning to everybody. Mm-hmm. How, what yeah. role does strength and conditioning play in your management of running injuries? I can see in the background, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's a squat <laughs> rack in the background. That's right. Yeah. Position yeah. That looks really good. And so you know, there's a role there, but yeah. you know, how do you fit it in with everything else? Well, again, like I mean, we've you know typical typical run through with a with a, a, a runner is you can see there's a treadmill there as well too. So you know part of the, what we'll do is and I'm lucky that we've got access to to technology like the force plates you can see there. So we are assessing strength. Um, you know, I am I I. I I do look at their, their running technique uh, and, again, seeing, you know, we're, we're, I guess the favourite saying is we're assessing, not guessing. So, you know, does someone have adequate strength? Um, and and if not, then where are they deficient and, and where do we need to where do we need to work there? So, obviously, if we're assessing a runner and, and that we have identified some strength deficiencies there, well, then, yeah, strength and conditioning is going to be forming a part of their, part of their rehab. Uh, in terms of strength and conditioning from a performance benefit, yes, that can, that can be effective as well for runners. But again, it's going to come down to uh, what their goals are, you know, what their time constraints are like. Um, you know, it's always a discussion, you know, runners have. It's like, well, should I do an extra run or should I do a strength and conditioning session? And it's like, well, it depends on where you're at. Like, you know, ultimately nothing gets you better at running than running. Um, and so that's what you've always got to consider that when you're introducing um, resistance training with runners is that, well, is, is it really going to make them better? Are you, you know, are you going to help with their, their injuries there or are you going to take away from that, that running? Um, 
and you know, a lot of runners, the reason they run is because they don't like the gym. Um, and so you, you'll sort of, and I'm, I could probably put my hand up, put my hand up through there. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't say I love strength and conditioning. I've, I've done you know, times in the past where I've been, you know, done that quite, quite a bit before, you know, with, with some running interspaced in there, but now I'm getting more into running. Um, you know, strength and conditioning is not, not the side of things that, that I enjoy doing, but I do it. Um, but I, I, I can't say that I, that I enjoy it. So yes, it does form a part of, part of my management. And, you know, the vast majority of my patients will get some sort of rehab because they're usually coming in with some sort of issue. And if we have identified a strength issue there, um, but, um, yeah, you, again, you've got to assess that you've got to assess and, and, uh, and not guess. Again, it's coming back to the person and their preferences mm. and what they ultimately want to do. So yep. you've acknowledged the importance of strength and conditioning if yep. strength is a factor or conditioning is a factor. Yep. And you mm. talked about, you know, perhaps considering strength and conditioning rather than a blanket for everybody, consider it from a rehab perspective for a specific injury or for performance. So that, yep. and it's a good way of thinking about the, that question. Well, let's mm. talk about osteoarthritis, which is really common, yep. burdensome condition and it's going to be a really common question that we get when someone has a diagnosis, uh, perhaps in uh, middle age or on about, you know, it's a hip or knee osteoarthritis, can I run? Mm. So, I mean, there's, there's some good supporting evidence, unlike some other topics that we've talked yeah. about where we can refer people to good information about uh, to answer that question, mm. to learn yeah. more about it from the literature and from, um, you know, from lots of published resources. But let, we're talking to yeah. you, so mm. we, you know, we'll get your perspectives on it and, what, and how you discuss it with people. So what are your thoughts on you know, how, how to manage running when you yeah. have hip or knee osteoarthritis or even to prevent it? Yeah, so I think that there's, you know, there's been a lot of studies and, and I guess in, in our circles and some of our listeners would, would be, you know, well aware in, in, in you know, within our, our, I guess, our community that, that's, you know, that running can be good for, for knees and that, that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't lead to osteoarthritis. But unfortunately, there are still a number of health professionals out there and, and runners or, or just general people that think that, that it is, that it's bad, you know, it's bad for knees and it does wear the joints out. I think some of the misconceptions there is, is the mechanical way of thinking and that we think that the body's a car and that, you know, the more you drive it, the more it's going to wear down. I still hear people, you know, I had this discussion with a runner the other day um, and um, they still prescribe to that, but that you, you educate them that, that the amazingly adaptive ability of the body, you know, that that we stress something, it gets stronger. You know, we, we put stress on cartilage and, you know, what cartilage, cartilage adapts and, and gets stronger through there. So it's, it's sort of shifting them away from from this idea of oh well every time I bend my knee it's just going to wear further down and then I'm going to be you know going to be bone on bone and I think the other thing too with that is is drawing them away from from you know imaging and and it's always a disaster when a, a patient's being shown a, a, an X-ray or something and then you know the the health professional has pointed out and said oh look see that's bone on bone you know that's that that needs surgery um, but they've got very little symptoms and so it's it's sort of trying to draw them away from from the imaging which can be very hard because it's a very strong nocebic effect of, you know, you can see right there in the picture, um, but it's always bringing it back to, well, well, how does it feel? Like, how does it feel to run? Oh, it doesn't hurt to run. I feel, I feel in fact, I feel better for it. All right, well, well there we go. Well, that's what we're, we're going to do through there and sort of trying to bring it more back to back to function than away from the uh, from the imaging. Um, 
and you know we've seen some some research obviously um you know Horger's group that uh, recently did some work on on hip uh, oa uh, and looking at the the um you know they done a couple of studies of looking at the immediate effects of of um you know joint damage if you like after after a particular group runner marathon uh, and then comparing the the the, the images between non-runners and, and runners and found that there isn't you know there isn't anything to show that that running does accelerate that uh, that wear and tear the obviously the only, the only exception there with that with previous research showing is that the elite runners that uh, that are running a lot there is a slightly higher uh, rate of, of uh, osteoarthritis in there so i think we could sort of say that that some running is good but a lot is is probably not so good and and this is you know we're talking runners that are that'll be averaging well over 100 k's 100 k's a week and probably you know a lot yeah, faster yeah, than you would, well yep. maybe you're fast with your three-hour marathon but a lot faster <laughs> than than um yeah. recreational runners go as well there's forces yeah. to consider yeah that's that's exactly right and then you know probably doing things that that they they you know shouldn't be when they're trying to run you know popping out inflammatories every day yeah. just to be able to to do their sport so and i think that's you know obviously as you know too involved being involved in elite sport these people might be very fit but not necessarily healthy and and so um yeah like we can say from that that research is that that yeah running is running is fine and i can see where we're probably where this um myth has, has stemmed from is the fact that the knee pain in in running is is you know, the most common injury you know patellofemoral pain making up to you know up close to 50 percent of, of all running injuries being you know knee pain and patellofemoral pain um and so i think then that then is inferred that oh well if there's knee pain then that's going to lead to osteoarthritis down the track now we know that patellofemoral pain doesn't necessarily lead to patellofemoral arthritis it can be a very persistent and, and troublesome problem in some people though patellofemoral pain um, but it doesn't necessarily mean to you know lead to, to bone on bone and, and needing a, a knee replacement so i can see probably where this this sort of stem from but the research these days is is, is not backing up the fact that, that you're going to accelerate your uh, your wear and tear and you're going to net you're going to head for a uh, head for a joint replacement mm. it's a, this pervasive myth that just mm. requires you know a, a and i said global a, a community effort from all of us to mm. you know to continue to educate people i think you yeah. know you know and also you, you touched on unnecessary imaging as well and and the nocebic effect that that it can have and of course imaging has its role if it's needed it's needed mm. you're talking about unnecessary image imaging and just asking the per i really liked how you ask a question We'll put it back on the person. Well, how does it feel? And that's a part of education. It's a question, but it's education. Okay, yeah. well, it actually feels okay. All right, mm. well, I can explain that. The running at moderate levels, recreational levels, is healthy for the cartilage for this reason rather than just coming on hard with the science and yeah. expecting the person to go, oh, uh, therefore, oh, that's why it feels okay. Mm. <laughs> so it back, can be a little bit backwards how we provide our yeah. education. I like that starting with a question. Yep. And, and that's what I think also, you know, it comes down to that, that communication as well as not necessarily lecturing, lecturing the, 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 you know, the person, the client, the runner, um, is you're trying to have that, that conversation. And, and I've been guilty of it in the past of just an information dump on the, on the patient, but it's just like, I've just, you know, said too much. And I, I always sort of follow up especially on that initial consult, uh, always follow up with an email afterwards, just reiterating everything that we go through because we know that for everything that we hear, we only retain a certain percentage of it. So I always sort of have this in writing, sort of, sort of say, yep, remember what we discussed here, you know, we're not doing harm with this and this is the way that we're going to go through this uh, through this plan. So they've got that down in writing and so they can, you know, reiterate that. They can send it on to, you know, whoever else they, they need to they need to as well. But, um, but yeah, mainly for their understanding of it, that they, they, you know, make sure that they retain all that information. That 
All right. We just had a temporary loss of um, communication there with a Zoom dropout. We're recording via <laughs> Zoom. So, Luke, you were talking about, um, you know, the importance of, you know, in the education, or, you mm. know, how does it feel and, um, you know, providing that that education that people need of um, where they're, you know, where they're at at that point in time. And then you were talking mm. about the importance of also you, you only remember a certain amount of what you hear yeah. and then um, you always write things down and give people a bit of a summary. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And just as you said, just that ability to retain stuff and, you know, try and avoid doing a bit of an information dump. And I still, I still, even to this day, I look back and think, ah, oh, yeah, probably just said, probably said a little bit too much there. Sometimes just keeping it simple can be good. But I, I guess, you know, you get a bit over enthusiastic sometimes. It's just like, I just want to just educate this bird, you know, just, just want to help them as much as I can and giving them this. But sometimes, you know, the drip feeding effect and, and, you know, just reiterating it each time to them, just repeating the same thing over and over again so that they understand the, uh, understand yeah. the message. It'll be different for every person as well, depending mm. on their needs. So, yeah. one of the things you mentioned before, we we're talking about the, you know, the the goal setting, understanding the person, and you know, the the whole body approach to, and the whole person approach to mm. analysing their load, and the other contributing factors to injury. You talked about sleep and um, and diet as well. So let's just finish off with a, looking at the whole person. Yeah, uh, if we are we are people running. We're not patients who are coming in with no. um, mechanical injuries like a car with a flat tire. We're people mm. who, you know, who have interests and we're all different. So what are some, what's a bit of a summary of the whole person? How does general health, tissue health, you know, the presence mm. of disease, people's blood sugar control, medication, yeah. anything you can think of, um, what do you consider when you're thinking about the whole person? All those things you just said, and that, that's where you know I really try and in this initial consultation, that first time that I'm, I'm seeing the client, is is just trying to capture as much information as we can in that time. So that's where you know I've got quite a, a detailed intake form where we're firstly you know they're spending a bit of time, they're probably spending ten minutes filling filling that out with all those sort of details and medication history and previous surgeries and that sort of thing, um, but then spending that time talking with them for that that 15 minutes and then really sort of then delving into the different, um, you know, con possible contributors there in terms of their strength, their mobility, uh, looking at, uh, you know, what their shoe wear, looking at analysing their running technique, all these sort of things are really going on a, to get a really good snapshot of that, of that, that person as a whole. Uh, and then identifying things in there, and, and obviously priorities because if you identified multiple things, and you've got to figure out where to where to start. Um, but identifying those priorities, and then going after those those first, and, and and gradually working working through those. And I think that that's that really should be the approach for not just the runner, but just for for everyone. Is you know have that detailed conversation, have a have a, a detailed examination, and then formulate the plan for that person that's uh, that's in front of you. And we haven't talked manual therapy or hands-on treatment at all, and I'm not against or, or for it in any way. It's just very neutral here. But um, yeah. it's just yeah. interesting if you think about um, perhaps the, you know, 20, 30 years ago, what was the foundation of, you know, a, a private practitioner? Hmm. We've been heavier with manual techniques. So you've covered everything from goal setting and, and understanding the person coaching and, you know, screening for general health and really considering their load and you know and, and applying that to the person yep it, 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 do you do any manual therapy techniques i do well? yeah yeah oh, of, since, uh, I, since i brought it up yeah, yeah no no absolutely that's uh, that, that, that's part of the yeah, it can be part of the treatment as well too and it, it's something that i i certainly you know when i first uh, graduated was a lot more um, manual therapy uh, heavy 
practice. And I guess, you know, again, looking back 20 years, that was that was sort of what was done at the time, um, but found myself, um, you know, changing over time there. But absolutely, I will. I think there's a, there's certainly a, a place for it. And in terms of, you know, in terms of the expectation, you know, like, again, yeah, you're asking this question, a lot of people sort of say, oh, I expect to, you know, have some work done on, on this particular area. And so if you're not meeting that expectation or, or explaining why you're not doing that, again, you, you, you can lose that patient. I'll just go off and they say, well, he wasn't listening to me at all. I'm going to go off and, and do this. So, um, yes, that, 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 that will form a part of, part of what I do. And I think there's some, some benefits of it. I think that it's been certainly been bad-mouthed bad uh, a lot um, and something that I'm, I guess I'm seeing in the new grads these days it's almost bashed out of them that it's almost that it's evil to, to do that but you know the tough reality is that the, the patients are going to be coming to them with some sort of expectation of, of, of you know of having manual therapy um, and you can educate them you know on the importance of exercise but why not also you know meet them halfway as well if you're like okay we're going to do a bit of work around through here but it's really important that we follow it up with this and this is why we're doing this you know what we're doing here you know we've identified these strength deficits through here what I'm doing with my hands here is not going to improve your strength that needs to come from you know the, the exercises that we're going to give you so again it's sort of that meeting them halfway and explaining what you're doing but it doesn't mean that like i don't do manual therapy i'm not going to do it uh and then all of a sudden the patient's offside it's like well you know i think that that's what's going to help me so see you later i'm going off to find somewhere else so that's sort of i guess the different approaches and, and probably i think nowadays i'm a lot more flexible with what i do and and whereas previously before you know being heavily manual manual therapy focused is that's what patients got and if they you know that's what i did and that's what they got and and so um over time i've certainly learned to be more flexible with that and and uh you know and and adapting to 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 the patient mm. and you, you really what i've got from your conversation has been person-centered care and actually mm. thinking about what that person needs and then perhaps backing that up with measurements, that might be a good idea, assessing yep. things, but also thinking about that person's you know, own perspectives and what they're going to do and what their preferences are, which is what you're talking about there. So uh, yep. that gives, I, I would have thought that if you're listening to this as a student or a new grad or an experienced practitioner, that's going to give you a really nice insight into someone who, you know, who really specifically works with runners and looks through that lens at people, but also you could apply a lot of what Luke's saying here to your your practice in, in any area, any field, because the principles, the foundations of what we're talking about here are the same. You start with the person and all people are different and then base it around their goals and their needs and, um, you know, what that person in front of you is saying. Um, that's what that's I've taken funny. away from these two really interesting episodes. I'm, I reckon we'll leave it there. Um, if you're happy to talk to me again, Luke, I'm going to pester you yeah. for another um, <laughs> podcast because I, I, I think yeah. I'm sure the listeners are going to really enjoy, you know, getting your perspectives and um, you've got lots of wisdom to, to pass across to other people, but also, you know, you've got a really nice approach to explaining concepts and um, it made a lot of sense to me and I hope it made a lot of sense to the listeners. So we'll leave yeah. it there. But, yeah, anytime, um, Luke. Yeah, thank you. Thank really you for having it. me on. And, and any excuse to talk about running, I'm, I'm more than happy to. I'm happy to be involved. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you're heading out tonight. Where's where's the run today? Oh, I've already done my run. Actually, I got it in. I had a very narrow window in my day, so busy day in, in, in practice and, and this on now. So I've already got I've got my run done. So that's uh, that, that's good. So we don't have to. Uh, yeah, the rest of the afternoon is just uh, just work. <laughs> oh, good on you. You want ahead of me. I've got to go out in the evening and get a uh, run in. But yeah. yeah. Well, enjoy your run today, mate. Thanks very much, Luke. See ya. See ya.